Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, with you for a special episode of the Steelers Q&A. We don't do this show often. It's basically whenever the Steelers have a non-Sunday game and we have to kind of double up shows. This week, the Steelers hangover and Dave's uh, the Stat Geek, Steelers Stat Geek ran on the same day, which meant that because the Steelers didn't play on Sunday, there's no post game. So we wanted to give you some content still. Here we are. Myself, Dave Schofield. Dave, how's it going? It's it's a weird Sunday watching all this football with without it not meaning as much. So I can honestly tell you that I have watched zero seconds of football the entire day. Um <laughs> My day has been filled with packing and we're getting ready to move and just crazy stuff going on. So, um, took the kids to the local YMCA. We swam around for a little bit. I've been busy. So, um, I don't know what's going on really in the world of the NFL. I've been checking my FanDuel lineup, which started out great and has since decided to crap the bed. Anyways. (laughs) Interesting about FanDuel because I started off great because you and I both played uh, Chark, um, which really made you jump out. But I had a lot of four o'clock guys and I was right up there to finish in the money. And my quarterback hasn't been doing well enough because I went with one TB12 this week. I never go with him. He never. I don't either. I didn't know what to do. I was everyone else scared me. So um, I I actually have a question for you to start, Jeff. And that is barring any flexing how excited are you that the Steelers have no more primetime games this year I I words cannot describe how excited I am I mean literally <laughs> words cannot describe I fans don't, don't might, might not realize like on, on night games after their articles get written the podcasts get done I'm normally not going to bed until about 1 1 30 in the morning and it just it totally sets off everything for the rest of the week is just thrown off then. And it's 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 awful. It's part of the job. I'm not complaining about it. Um, but still it's just ugh. I hate them. Hate them. Thursdays are the worst though. I've always told my wife this. Sunday night football, you have the whole weekend. Monday, you've just coming off the weekend, but Thursday, it's like you're right smack dab, almost dead in the middle of the week. You gotta get up on Friday. Ugh. Just ugh. I can't I can't fathom any game that they would flex into primetime other than the week 17 game at Baltimore. Yeah, and that's over the holiday anyway, so yeah. oh well. Oh well. I have a question for you. Okay. Terrell Pryor. <laughs> Let's sign that guy. That's I, what you I'm know saying. what? I Let's said this him. several weeks ago when Brian brought it up. I'm like, I, I mean, league, I mean, vet minimum. What what is there to lose? I mean, now they did just make another signing, so I don't know where, eh. where, where that would fit in. And and the signing they just made, they can't get rid of that guy because they got to pay him for three weeks anyway, because they signed him off of a practice squad. Right. So even if they were to cut him tomorrow, they would have to pay him for three weeks because they took him off of a practice squad with either of those players because they were both practice squad signings. Wait. But why not? Well, here's my thing. There's no guarantee that Juju and or Deontay Johnson, both who are in the concussion protocol, will be ready to go, period. Yep. And so you bring in one guy, but you might need more than that. And so I'm going to I'm gonna say that fans should keep an eye on this. And someone else, I think it was Ken. Let me see if I can find this here in the live chat. We've got a lot of people joining in. You talking about Lance's? Yeah, Lance, I saw your question. Say, I'll text you later. Say. Yeah. <laughs> Ken says... Could anyone tell me why Eli Rogers hasn't been brought back? 
You know, that's the, that's the thing. Like, there's a guy like Eli Rogers out there who say what you want about his ability from the slot knows the system, and he's he's still a free agent. He yeah. knows the Steelers system, and they didn't bring him back. So maybe there is something going on there that we're not aware of. But ultimately, I I, I don't know why they haven't brought him back yet. So it'll be it'll be really interesting to see what they do if they do anything. I would be all for Terrell Pryor coming back because if if there's a, it's going to be the vet minimum. B, in my opinion, the guy's from Pittsburgh. He would give his heart. He would give everything that he had to do it. Now, when he came out of college in Ohio State, he was very open about how he didn't want to go to Pittsburgh. That he kind of wanted to go away. He wanted to get away. Now he wants to come back. He wants to come back to his roots. So I say, give him a shot. Give him a shot. Let's see what let's see what he can do. Um, he's all over social media saying he wants to come back. He's like, come on, Mr. Colbert, bring me back, bring me back. So before we get to your questions, though, there's another topic that we wanted to discuss, and that's the title of this episode. But before we do that, a lot of fans have talked to me, whether it's via email or in the live chat, about how they can help the show. And there are multiple ways that you can help us, our Behind the Steel Curtain podcast family, grow. And one of them is if you'd like to do a super chat, Basically, what that is is down where you have the comment section to the right, it's a little money sign. You can donate some money to the show. It goes directly to the show. And we appreciate anything that you give us. You don't have to give us anything. The holidays are coming up. I get it. Dave has kids. I have kids. We get it. But at the same time, there's something you can do to help the show that's totally free. All you have to do is go to this video and hit the thumbs up button. That's it. If you want to do a step further, still free, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Our goal is to be at 6,000 subscribers, says Lance Williams. He set that goal. I set it at 5,000. He upped me to 6,000. That's fine. Let's go for it. We're at like, uh, we're almost at 4,600. So we have some work to do. So like the video, subscribe. That way, a lot of people have also asked, well, when do we know that you're on the air? If you subscribe to the channel, you'll get an email and or a push notification on your phone telling you that we have gone live so you don't miss a thing. Seven shows at least. Seven shows at least during the uh, during the regular season. So here's the topic of discussion. We want to get the ball rolling here before we start taking questions from the live chat. And that is, Dave, you wanted to talk about this at length, and it's not really a question, more of a statement, and that is that the Steelers' response to the fiasco in Week 11 in Cleveland, because let's not just say that the ending of that game did not define how bad the Steelers played offensively in that game. Period. It was awful. Yes, it was. was awful. And so everyone from Mason Rudolph to the offensive line, ter- horrible, horrible special teams. Chris Boswell missed a kick. Uh, that was a bad hold on. Oh, uh, yeah, that wasn't on Barry. him. And it wasn't on him. Jordan Barry muffed the snap. The uh, snap. So, Dave, you said that you're saying you're right. You wrote an article and that this is going to define their season, the way that they respond to this. Go ahead and explain yourself. Absolutely. Well, what you've got a young a young group on offense. Now the offensive line isn't super young, but look everywhere else. You've got young quarterback, young wide receivers, young running backs. I mean, we're you're talking about all your key players are within their first three years of the league um, on offense. As much as we would have loved to have seen the Steelers just keep that winning streak going and just and just run in, run right up and go into the playoffs, they were gonna have they were going to have setbacks. They were going to have one of those games. And Thursday night was one of those games. Now what this team has to show is, is that who they are? 
or was that the exception where they were where they were just one of those things didn't work? So this they need to come out this next game against a team that now we know because it's final that the a winless team that Cincinnati did uh, fell by a touchdown to the Raiders today that they're going to be going against a winless team at their place, but where the Steelers actually play better at Cincinnati, even than they do better at Heinz field against them. It seems like that, that, that this is it. It doesn't, it doesn't matter everything else. This is the game to show that you can shake this off and you are more than that performance, that that performance wasn't who you are. That was your exception and not your rule. Does that make sense? No, no, no. I, it absolutely makes sense. How does this team respond? Because don't. here's the way I look at it. Don't think for a second that this team isn't thinking about week 13. You know what I mean? Yeah. They want that game. I think that they are so happy that that game is so close because they want blood. They want to get after those guys, and I don't blame them for that at all. At the same token, you can't overlook this Week 12 opponent, but they have to go out and take care of their job. And, you know, it's, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to define their season. You win next week, you're 6-5, and five, and you're right back to where you want to be. Because if you win next week, regardless of what the Browns do, if you win in Week 13, you advance to 7-5, and five, you're basically putting a nail in their coffin. You know, because they're already a six-loss team regardless of what they do in week 12, that would be a seven loss team. I don't see them necessarily running the table, but at the same, cause they still have to play Baltimore again, I think. Yes, they, they do. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding and it's going to be interesting to see how the Steelers respond. It also depends a lot on, you know, who's healthy. This team is banged up, especially on offense. And now the fact that you might not have Marquise Pouncey for three games, you're even thinner because you're taking your main backup interior lineman. And you have to wonder, okay, with Finney going to center, does that mean Filer then becomes the backup interior lineman and shoots a core four now has to be, um, a, a, a game day active player compared to what he was being inactive. These are things you got to think. Well, about, right, yeah, but he's going to be active because, you because you always have seven linemen active and you won't have pouncy active. That's so that's true. not really taking up a spot there. The question is, let's combine what you just said to what you asked earlier, when pouncy is officially suspended and doesn't that means he does not count on the roster during that time, correct? I believe so. So that means once that becomes official, they can sign somebody else like a Terrell Pryor or or what they're or see what they're going to do with that. I say bring him in. Screw it. I mean, yeah. I, I'm not saying he's going to be mm -hmm. super productive, but bring him in. Yeah. What the hell? I mean, that's yep. a, that's a, yep. where I am at this point in time. So, um, can I bring up something else that was also mentioned sure. in the live chat? Of course, you know, you see the emojis. You talked about it. Oh last boy, night. I, I did talk emojis. about it. Yes. Ahead, but but people are like, oh, four four INTs isn't going to get it done. And I'm like, Jeff, you should have mentioned this will be out in an article of mine. I'm pretty sure it'll be out tomorrow. Uh, another name got added to this today. I went back and looked at players that have thrown four interceptions in their first year of starts, meaning their first 16 starts. And there was 55 of them, but now I'm pretty sure 56 because I'm pretty certain Kyle, Kyle Allen today for the for the Panthers that was only his however many starts under 16, and he threw four interceptions today. But I wouldn't even include him in this list. And there's a lot of players on this list that have thrown four interceptions 
during a game during their during their first 16 starts. For example, Sam Darnold has thrown two. Jameis, or meaning had two games in which he threw four or more. Jameis Winston, Kirk Cousins, Cam Newton, Matt Stafford twice, Tony Romo, Eli Manning, and Alex Smith. Oh, wait. And Tom Brady. <laughs> so this this is what you just because you have one bad four interception game does not mean all right we're done we got to move on for him and people that are like that um i'm sorry i almost want to ask do you follow football i mean this is what happens you have these games sometimes where just nothing goes right now if he follows it up with another performance very similar to that that's when you have to become concerned um you can't just take a one game sample and think that that means the whole story is written. That's just ridiculous. There's a lot of fans that view quarterback like pitching changes in baseball. <laughs> he yeah. doesn't have it tonight, so we're going to yank him off the mound and put in somebody else. And just it's not it's not how it works. No. And the most recent Roethlisberger example I can think of is 2017 when he threw five picks. They didn't yank him off the field. They didn't no. bench him after that. And I I understand no. that Ben Roethlisberger's resume is a completely different one than Mason Rudolph. But he had duds as a rookie as well, and they stuck yeah. with him because that's what you have to do. Now, I agree with what you said. If he has another stinker, that's different. Then you worry about it. If he has another stinker, and I mean, that those Dave and I are both loyal Mason Rudolph fans. We'll say that openly. But my gosh, he had some horrible passes in that yeah. game. Horrible passes. So, okay. Uh, here we go. Let's get to some questions, shall we? That's uh, North, North Top. What position do the Steelers take in the second round of 2020? So this basically, sums, no, well, this basically <laughs> looking at next year, free agency or draft, what would you say is the top team need? We, we got to see if we find, or if we're signing our own people first. That's uh, why but this look is at the roster. Look at the roster right now. Yeah. Well, you and need so, more defensive linemen. If you don't, if you don't sign, if you don't sign Javon Hargrave, then you need another defensive lineman at some point. If you don't, uh, if you don't bring back Sean Davis, which you probably won't because he's, unless he wants to come back to the reserve, you're going to need some reserves there. You've got other guys that you're going to have to uh, have to try to take care of your own before free agency even hits. So, I mean, I'm kind of more, I, I think talking about week 17 is too far out there, let alone free agency or draft. I'll answer the question and I'll say yeah. that they need a playmaking wide receiver. And this is a deep mm -hmm. draft class as wide receivers. Mm -hmm. And they also need to look at running back and they also need to look at offensive line. I know I agree, with, I agree with the defensive line, but offensive line. Yeah. If Lance said it best in his show Friday night, when he talked about how this offensive line was built for Le'Veon Bell. It mm -hmm. was basically just hold him, hold your block, and then he'll go. Well, these they don't they don't have that running back right now, and so what's happening is they hold their block, and next thing you know, they it's it, the play gets broken. So yeah, those, that's what I would say. That's what yep. I would say. But you make some good points. So let's go to the next one here, Michael, number ninety. He says, "Can you give me a reason we haven't benched Mason Rudolph yet?" Kind of just I think we already did. That. Yeah, we just kind of talked about that. So let's go. We have some other questions here. I'm sure. Um, Steve, who's a huge Mason Rudolph fan says, how many excuses <laughs> will you guys come up with about Mason after he loses to the bungles? If I want to know is what kind of Steeler fan you are. If you've already written off a loss to the bungles, oh. so you might want to turn in your oh. fan. Oh, oh, <laughs> next question. <laughs> Gyra says, is Mike Hilton 
I guess it's Kyra. I apologize if I mispronounced it. Is Mike Hilton a free agent after this season? I believe he's still a, an exclusive rights free agent. Yes. Yeah, he was he was a, an exclusive rights free agent last year because uh, it took me a while to get these terminology right. And he, he will be a restricted free agent this year if they offer him a tender. And they have to decide what, what tender they're going to offer him at. So Okay. That's true. That's how it goes. Okay. I'm trying to find some more questions here. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of people. Here we go. Will Will ne- Nelson get a pick this year? That's interesting. Um, he had four oh. last year for the Chiefs. Zero so far this year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, he hasn't been thrown at very much because of his coverage. So it's, I don't know. That's a, that, that's a good question. I'm going to say, I'm going to say he gets one at some point here between now and the end of the season, just because statistically it makes sense. Statistically it makes sense, but there are some cornerbacks that that they don't, they're more based on just blanketing the receiver and and playing the ball as an always, but I think he's going to get one because eventually a ball is going to go his way. That's ill-advised. They have a pretty soft schedule on the stretch. So it'll be interesting. Um, Let's see here. (laughs) Uh, he says, "I it looks like Ben gained sixty pounds because he looks like it. the The beard probably the beard does it. The beard doesn't help him. It's the neck beard, and he's wearing these big jackets and sweatshirts. I, I don't know. Um, at this point in time, and I said this last night on our show. People say, well, if Mason Rudolph doesn't pan out, what what is what's next? What's next is you better pray Ben Roethlisberger is healthy. <laughs> That's what's next. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um." This is a good one. Ken says, given our current health status at running back and wide receiver, what should be our strategy for a win this week? This is interesting. This is the first time they're playing a team for the second time within the division. And if you remember last game that they beat the Bengals was with the jet sweep game, the James Conner in the flat game, uh, everything they wanted to get on the perimeter. So you have to think that the Bengals are going to prepare for that. That was the wildcat game. It was the wildcat game. And so you have to think the Bengals are going to kind of say, okay, we're going to definitely come into this game and say, we're not going to let that happen again. So they have to kind of counterbalance that. What do you think they're going to do? Well, they've had, they're going to have 10 days to prepare. So just come up with something. I mean, honestly, I think everything that they did with the Browns wasn't, wasn't terrible. It wasn't all dink and dunk. It wasn't all this and that. It was just not well executed. I think they just mainly need to execute better. And that starts with the quarterback because that he did not have very good execution, you know, so you're going to, if nothing else, not, not sure what's going on with Deontay Johnson, not sure what's up with Juju. I'm already assuming James Conner's not going to be good to go. You've, if more than anything, you've got to be, you've got to prepare to do whatever you do with whoever's there. You know, that was not something that I feel that they were ready to do Thursday on such a short week. I mean, when, when you looked at what receivers you had available to you, by by the end of the third quarter, it was just it was it was 20, 20 receptions combined coming into the game and they were all by one person. I mean, Johnny Holden didn't have a catch for the Steelers yet, and they had just brought up Tevin Jones from the from the practice squad. And those were the three guys you had. So I think it's more about 
I think it's more about making sure everyone is on the same page with whatever you're going to do. I was shocked with how aggressive they were in that Thursday night game with little, with very little prep time. And they were aggressive. They, they, they moved yeah. the ball down the field. Like you said, it was just the quarterback didn't execute the plays. Uh, so here's a good, you kind of touched on this, but here's a good follow up here. Do you think James Conner is the answer running back? And I'm not, I'm not getting into the second part of his question about free agency in the draft. My question is, is based on what we know from Connor and his history, do you think this is a guy you can build around or should they be thinking, okay, he's a good running back to have a good slasher, good change of pace guy, but we need someone to compliment him. Yeah. I, I think the Steelers just need to change their overall philosophy at running back. Like they've had in past years where they just, where, you know, just run them into the ground as everyone's talked about. I, I don't think James Connor's that kind of back that you can just run him with that many carries. I think he is a good running back by committee back because one, it'll maybe extend his longevity for one. And two, it it, it would just be beneficial. I don't think Jalen Samuels, I, did you say this? Was it last night when you said that, that, that he's more like the Moeldy Moore type of yeah type of guy. So I almost right. look at him as more like a, it would be a great third running back. So I don't know if they need a number one running back with James Conner to be the number two, or they need a, a number two quarter or quarterback running back. That's like almost like a one B to, to go with James Conner in order to make them both better, but they need something around there. And with due to his injury. And I think the hope was Benny Snell could be that guy, but that hasn't been the case for this year. The thing about Connor is that in I, I, was it you or Lance that looked up the data on in like average games missed. He's very running yeah, back dinged up. That was me. Yeah, I mean, how many he's missed versus how many a lot of others miss. I mean, it that, that's rare to have a running back go the whole season and play every game. I mean, anymore, anymore, unless you're doing a running back by committee thing um, um, approach to your offense. So. Yeah, that's the true. numbers are aren't they're not as now if he if he's out for an extended period of time again this year that's really going to drag drag down those numbers of everything you know because normally playing twelve games a season isn't awful but I don't know that he's going to get that this year. True. What do you think? And this is a question. Basically, it was a statement, but I'm going to turn it into a question by the Ruffington. He said, uh, "You have to extend slash tag Bud." to use resources on offensive holes to contend and what might be Ben's last season. What do you think the Steelers do with Bud Dupree after this year? Yeah, we didn't even mention Bud. I don't think they have a, they don't have his replacement on the team. In my opinion. I mean, I just, or we haven't been able to see that enough. I don't know that Ola is, is the answer. I definitely don't think that Chicolo is the answer to be the, to be the starter. So you would either, I don't know who said that, but you have a, I was going to say, you're right. You have a very good point that you need to try to do something with Bud Dupree or else that's going to be such a glaring hole that you're not going to be able to address other things. That's a really good point. Yeah. I I think that you have to try your best to get Bud Dupree um, signed. But at the same time, if he's having a, a banner year, and I, although the sacks are there, I think his run support has been absolutely tremendous this season. And it's such a drastic change from what we're used to seeing. Um, I just, it, it would be incredible 
to see if they could get him. And he and TJ Watt would be playing alongside each other for years to come because you know they're not getting rid of TJ Watt anytime soon. <laughs> no. So um, let's see here. Here's a good question from North Top. He said, how do you guys think we fix third and fourth down conversions? He think he's meaning fourth and third and fourth short. Short yardage of the worst team in the NFL on third and one and fourth and one. What are your, you're a football guy. You coach the game. What exactly would be your fix for that? My fix is not, not running the, not running the ball out of obvious running personnel and formations. I've, I've been saying it for weeks that when they bring in the jumbo, you're telling the team where that you're going to run it. And then that's what you're doing that they're going to be, you're more effective running when the team thinks you're going to pass and you're more effective passing when the team thinks you're going to run. It's just, now you can't do that all the time, but you got to at least do it some. And, and they don't always give these offensive linemen the opportunity to just fire off the ball to gain that one or two yards, the way they're asking them to run block. It's, it's funny because you said, because what you about Lance saying that the offensive line was built to block for Le'Veon Bell my question is, is that the personnel or is that the blocking philosophy? That's what I'm not sure about. Are they blocking that way because that's the way they're they're being told to block and being asked to block? Or are they blocking that way because that's what they're better at? So that's that's a really good question. I'd like to see what these guys can do just firing off the ball and seeing if they can move the guys in front of them. Because on those short yardage plays, that's not what's really going on. Well, it doesn't seem like they have what I like to call road graders. You yes. know, they always talk about BJ Finney's like the most road grader back, like or offensive lineman they have. Mm-hmm. Pounty is not the big center. He's more athletic. He's a pulling guy. DeCastro, I would say, is close to road grader status. Foster, I love him, but at the same time, you can definitely see father time is creeping up with him. Villanueva and Filer look like turnstiles in week 11. So, yeah, I don't know. And a lot of people point to the fact that Munchak is gone. I don't know. It's it's interesting to see what's going to happen. Now, I didn't know this, and I don't know if this is true or not, but someone told me that um, the Mike Munchak, on top of being the offensive line coach, was also the run game coordinator. And I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until that was brought out. That he basically was the one that would get every – he was the running – and some teams have – run game coordinators and then the other normally the offensive coordinator deals with the passing game and they break it down that way the Steelers typically don't from what I understand unless this is all just hearsay I'm not saying this is gospel but still if that's the case and the, he was the run game coordinator and they ran it well when he was here what the heck did he do it's it's you just don't know there's all these yeah. different variables so okay too much insider information that we and many others are not privy to Absolutely. Yeah. So let's see here. Couple, couple we did questions. have a super, we did have a super chat there. Did we? From snowman. Snowman. Where is it? Missing it. Sometimes the uh, one on here. It was little... at seven fifty eight. Uh, that helps. Uh, yeah, it, it does. <laughs> there we go. So, mm-hmm. Snowman. Do you see any coaching changes with the Steelers? I don't see it in season. Cause that's just not how they usually do business. They would have done it so, by now. Yeah. But what, what changes would you make? And that's the problem with doing it in season, because if you're, I mean, if you're going to move on from the offensive coordinator, then you've got to promote someone that you already have. And who do they really have? You know, it's hard to bring in anyone 
from the outside because it would have to be someone who's not on any other staff right now. No, I mean, let's, let's say that they don't. You mm-hmm. just said it's not their mo to change. Yeah. any coaches. But after the season, if if you were to make any coaching changes, who would it be? Well, I don't think they're going to. I don't think it's going to be Feedner because Ben's coming back, and then that's and that's what they're going to stack that up against. Um, then people aren't going to want to be screen. I don't know that they're going to bring Butler back just because it's the end of his contract. I think that might have been in the works before this. I don't know that there was anything that could have happened this year that could have maybe saved his job because I think they've kind of already pulled him back from that job a little bit. But that's just – I can't say that for sure. That's just I, – I, I really don't know because one of the things that's in the article that I had going out tomorrow is – I think there's I think there's more to how the Steelers playing well to the coaching staff than what we realize because I thought the Steelers would have an advantage going against a rookie head coach on Thursday night that the Steelers could be more prepared but I I said I completely screwed that up and not thinking about how young our offense was and that they couldn't prepare and that really I, it, this could be a testament to the coaches as to how this team is doing but that's what this next game, why this next game is so important because they have the extra time to prepare. And, and some people would made some comments there. I, I didn't read everything in the live chat that I'm not saying, I don't think either one of us saying that the Steelers, that there's no chance that they lose to Cincinnati. I'm definitely not saying that. I'm just saying anyone who's already chalking it up as a loss, I think is, is crazy to say that we're going to lose to them. And this is what needs to happen. Because maybe I read that wrong. Because I just I don't think that's the case. I have confidence that the Steelers will win. But if they don't if they don't beat Cincinnati, then they really need to make some changes with their personnel. They they really do. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So Kathy puts two dollars in the tip jar. She said it is the loss of Drake. She's referring to the late Daryl Drake, the wide receiver coach who passed away during training camp, a big factor in the wide receiver woes. What do you think, Dave? I don't know how I I can't say that it's not a factor at all. You really can't when when you lose a great coach, um, and especially the way they lost the great coach. But how big of a factor? It's hard to it's hard to say how big of a factor that is because honestly, youth and inexperience is also another big factor. So those two things together actually probably make each of them worse. If you know what I mean, losing your coach to when it's a group of young guys is probably a lot tougher. But yeah, he was a great coach, and not having him was is definitely not not as good it, it really yeah. is yeah there's a lot of people in the live chat right now that are talking about like receiver woes that kathy brought up and saying like donald brings up he says our quarterback play is a factor for receiver woes and i don't think anyone would disagree with that but what i'm saying is that the two have never been copacetic yeah you know there are times where mason rudolph has delivered really good passes and it goes through their hands and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like they, they got to help them out. And then there's times where they're wide open and Rudolph misses them. They just haven't been on the same page. We've got a lot of super chats here. Let's get these up here. Yeah. Spiral Bomber puts $5 in the tip jar. It says, you guys are great. Thanks for being well-informed and looking at things objectively and not being complete homers. Well, we've been called worse than homers. Um, <laughs> I know I have by Lance every Wednesday night. Mm-hmm. But still, um, it's a fan. It's a fan show. We try to provide fan our opinion as fans, we're not, I, I never claim to be an expert. I give my opinion and that's that period. Yeah. We both have a platform in these podcasts and in the written word on behind the steel curtain.com. But ultimately 
I've never said that I'm an expert in anything related to the Pittsburgh Steelers or the NFL, maybe other than knowing their roster. <laughs> That's about <laughs> it. So there you have that. Um, here we go from uh, 499 from LK McRae. He says, why doesn't Feetner roll Mason out sometimes? He seems skittish when he gets pressure. If he can't do that, he's not an NFL quarterback. I did see a play on Twitter today that was very interesting, and I, I haven't watched a lot of film as much as I sometimes do. Life has been crazy, but still it was a play where Rudolph literally to move in the pocket. He actually moved into pressure. It was really yeah. strange. And he's not moving well in the pocket. He's no, not. it's like, he's not feeling where the pressure is actually coming from. He's only adjusting to what's in front of his own eyes. So he saw a little bit of pressure coming from his right. So he moved to his left, but that was where the pressure was really coming from was from his left. And he missed Johnny Holton had himself oh, on that fourth and like down. 80 or yes, there's a fourth down yeah. and like 80 yards of green grass in front of him. And he missed him because yeah. he would have just stood tall in the pocket. Yes. And look, we could sit here myself and Dave as two open Mason Rudolph supporters. And let's be honest. Why do I root for Mason Rudolph? Because the quarterback of the Steelers, right? Now. Exactly. Like that's it. Like I'm I'm, not, I'll, I'll root just as hard for duck. If he's the quarterback exactly. of the Steelers. And so for me, like, I, I like them both. I really do. I don't care who it is. I'm going to root yeah. for because I love the Steelers. Like that's yeah. my love is for the team, not for any one particular player. Now I'm going to say that like, I want Mason Rudolph because I might feel that he gives them the best chance to win. Mm -hmm. So let's not look at this. Like it's one or the other. It's not, it's about one and that's the Steelers. Yeah. But for me, I think that, you know, Mason Rudolph has a lot of improvement to do, but I always go back to the fact that he has not even played a full 16 games in his entire career. We can't expect it to be perfect. It could be better, but we can't expect it to be perfect. That's the big difference for me is that some fans are almost wanting to see Ben Roethlisberger type production and polish. And it's not because a lot of rookies, because let's be honest, he's a rookie. And from yeah. an on-field perspective, he's a rookie. And a lot of people are expecting this veteran presence and it just doesn't happen for everyone and i get it remedy this said it and it's true tough love i understand it tough love you know they the steelers fan base is a is a very fickle group and they're a very demanding group and i wouldn't change that for the world because they have high standards and they want people to live up to their standards but at the same time i wish i could go back and i wish that youtube was as predominant now as it was then and i wish that i could go back and look I don't think behind the steel curtain was around in 2004, but I would have loved to check some of the comments made during Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season, or, you know, some of the years like in 2006, when they didn't make the playoffs coming off of the Super Bowl win in Super Bowl 40. So for me, it's just one of those things that I, I just don't get it all the time because we haven't been in this scenario because of Ben Roethlisberger. This is all foreign. Yeah. This is foreign territory. Um, Yep. Well, and that's why I say this game is so important coming up because you were seeing progression, 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 big setback. Okay. That's what I'm trying to say is you're going to see this from a young quarterback. So the thing is you need, this next game needs to be back to progression and not another setback or else then you really have to reconsider things. Yeah. 
So here's the, I'd like you to answer this, Dave, and I can okay. try my bandit too. This is from Flip, who's a contributor to our website. He says that there's a difference between rooting for them and glossing over all the huge negatives with Rudy, referring to Mason Rudolph. How has he improved since Seattle? Has he gotten any better? If so, how? Dave? Well, the, the Seattle game, much like the, like the, the second half of the Ravens game when it, when it comes to Hodges, it was just a different setup of your, your, when you're coming in as a backup versus being the starter, there's a whole different mentality. There's the other team hasn't prepared for you and everything else. And, and honestly, sometimes I'm almost wondering, don't let the, don't let either quarterback know who's starting until you go to play the game, because it seems like they go out there on adrenaline and play better. But I mean, you've, you've seen more of a willingness. I don't want to count the Seattle game. I want to start from the 49ers game because that's the first game as a starter, because that's when it really goes to. So I'm sorry, Flip, but I'm uh, kind of um, changing the question a little bit. And you have seen um, a progression of, of moving the ball, looking for the, for the, for the passes further downfield. They really were babying them along. I was at the Rams game. And like I say, from what I saw in person from my end zone view in the Rams game, from what I saw in person from my end zone view 13 days before against the Dolphins was night and day. In the Dolphins game, he was constantly throwing behind receivers and everything else. And against the Rams, although I know they only had the one offensive touchdown, he just it just seemed and felt completely different in that game versus the other one. So that's where I saw progress just in his overall play. But I didn't get to rewatch the Rams game because I couldn't tape it. So all I had to go from was my eyes in the stadium. So eyes in the stadium of where I've seen him, that's what I that's what I'm basing it off of as much as anything. I mean if you're looking for some tangible things, you can definitely see his comfort level has gotten better. Um in terms of playing, they've opened the playbook a little bit more now. Uh, I still wish they would kind of go a little bit more hurry up with him. He yeah. has had success in the limited amount of time that we've seen him run those. And I'm sure that when they do go hurry up, it is actually a very truncated or abridged playbook that they're running. And that's fine. It, that's expected almost. Um, it, it, I guess a lot of people, like I said earlier, are expecting uh, greatness right away. And I wish it was that way. And it's just not. It's just not. You know, uh, people brought up Patrick Mahomes and the fact that Patrick Mahomes came into the, he came into the league as a second year player because he sat behind Alex Smith and he, he lit the world on fire. And yeah. that's awesome. That's not the norm, though. That's not the norm. Well, they, I'll be honest with you. Go ahead. When it comes to him, when, when your quote unquote head coach quarterback whisperer, Andy Reid, goes out of his way to move up to get this guy because he knew who he was and what he wanted to do with him and that he wanted to keep him from playing but be in that backup role to get the work in practice, which is what Rudolph did not get last year. They 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 played it they played that out perfectly. And and they knew what the there was just something about that where it just all fit and they knew what they were doing so much. I don't know if Mahomes is is the player he is in any other situation. Well, and Mahomes is a first-round draft pick, like you said, that yeah. they traded up for. And I yeah. feel like sometimes people forget that Mason Ruff is a, he's a third-round pick. Yeah, they traded up to go like two mm -hmm. spots to in front of Cincinnati to grab him. But, I mean, he wasn't drafted in the first round, you know? So we've got a super chat here. Grayson, he puts $14.99 in the tip jar. Mm -hmm. Man, thank you. Big tip. 
love it. He said, I understand, but I'm having a hard time believing MR2 is terrible. He played a short week with no weapons on the road. MR2 needs more support from the staff and talent around him. To me, it's all part of the overall equation. Yeah. That, that that's what it comes down to for me is that it's it, it, I would say the lion's share of it falls on Mason Rudolph's shoulders because you have to execute the plays that are in front of you. And he has it all the time. But at the same time, he hasn't gotten a lot of help. And he doesn't have a, in my opinion, an elite number one wide receiver on his team. If he does, if you think Juju is that guy, then there's no one on the opposite side to alleviate some pressures. Guys, this could get so yeah. intricate and complex. We could spend three hours probably talking yeah. and debating this. Well, and go ahead, Dave. What I want to say is that is, like I said, to finish that game and the three wide receivers they have, granted, I know he would have done way better than Rudolph, but how, how much could you have expected from Ben in that situation with 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 the number of receivers that went down and who you had available to you? Well, Johnny I mean, can't catch a cold. Yeah, and I know someone, I know Wes said earlier about getting rid of Holden, and I'm like, what they need to do is stop thinking of Johnny Holden as a wide receiver. Johnny Holden is your grade A gunner on special teams. That's all he is. He's not your receiver, but he's going to stick around because he does such a good job at that role. So to just cut him would, wouldn't make sense, but also to, to, to count on him as a wide receiver is just really, really difficult to do. And notice the one time he caught a pass was one of the few times it wasn't just – he runs deep. Um, well, so to do that, like, I, I, why didn't you just bring back Darius Hayward Bay? He, yeah, he's basically a, a younger Darius Hayward. I think Darius Hayward Bay is faster than Johnny Holton, anyways. Yeah. But they both have questionable hands. They both with the gunner. I don't get it. All right, Dennis put five dollars in the tip jar. He says, "What bothered me was that Mason did not take ownership or apologize for those interceptions. He just talked about what other players were doing." I'm refer. I'm guessing Dennis, you're referring to his post game press conference. Um, which I did watch. I watch all of the post-game press conferences, whether it's Mike Tomlin who, or whomever they put yeah. up there. The thing with me is that Mason wasn't really asked a lot about anything other than the skirmish with Miles Garrett. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. If that that it, was what drove the narrative afterwards. You couldn't talk much about how terrible we played. Now, should, have, should Mason have apologized for going after him? I don't know. And that's, we're getting into, I really don't want to talk about that anymore. I'm kind of sick of talking about it and it's not going to go away because they're going to find a bunch of players that left the bench now and the appeal process should be over by Wednesday. And we'll know if Garrett will lose the fine, infinite, infinite mm-hmm. suspension category and be given an actual number of games. We'll find out if Pounceys goes from three to two or from three doesn't get moved at all. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's yeah. tough with, I, I guarantee you this. I would almost bet money. Ah, there's no way of actually doing this, but I would almost bet money that when he has his media availability this week, which I believe is always on Wednesday or Thursday, he will talk a lot about his mistakes in week 11. He'll talk about his interceptions. I think that's when it's the first time he'll speak since the game and since the melee or the brawl or the fiasco, whatever you want to call it. So Jeff, I have a question I want to answer, but I can't click on it. Which one is it? North top. All right. Do you guys think Mason's failures? Okay, go ahead. Yep. Do you guys think that Mason failures are due to the lack of a QB coach? He has a QB coach. It's just also his offensive coordinator. They wear, he has that hat. 
Yeah, and so the so the not having a specific QB coach, I think that would hurt any quarterback except Ben Roethlisberger. I think that was they they had all their eggs in the Ben basket for this year, which I think they have every year. And luck, but luckily we, that's been fine. It's just this year, especially coaching wise, I think that really does. I, I think that would hurt whichever quarterback would be in there. Uh, the Steelers, the way they or it just their- doesn't help them as much as it would otherwise. Maybe the I don't know. The, the way they handle handle their coaching staff is just strange. You know, mm-hmm. Keith Butler is the defensive coordinator, yet also the outside linebacker coach. What you're telling me that you can't go out and get someone to coach the outside linebackers? And now I know that Keith Butler excelled as an as a linebackers coach, but still, how I just don't get that coordinator. I always feel like the coordinator is like the next person down from the head coach. And you've got both of them doing multiple jobs. Something always has to give. Now, I do think that on the defensive side of the ball, um, you have uh, it's uh, Terrell Austin, who might be doing a lot more with the defense now from a defensive coordinator standpoint. Would you think that he's the the guy the the guy laying in wait, so to speak, for Keith Butler's job if Keith Butler isn't brought back? I mean, that's what a lot of people have hypothesized. People that are even closer to the team. That they that they almost felt like that's what he was, but I don't know. I mean, the way the defense is playing now, it's kind of you don't hear people screaming for Keith Butler's head right now. But no, no, not at all. So <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, you know, let's see if we have any other questions before we call it a show. Um, Steve is still on the the duck train, and that's fine. You're. Do you think he would be better? Yeah, there's a part of me that kind of hopes they do put him in. <laughs> You know, there's a part of me that hopes they put him in. If he plays well, great. That's awesome. If he doesn't, what do we do? We're in the same boat. We're sitting in the same exact boat. My, Um, my biggest thing was, and this is what I said back when it was, when after the, the chargers game is the learning curve that there's going to be a learning curve nowhere. And I I don't really want to start the learning curve over again because like I, but Maybe, maybe that's just foolish thinking. I don't know. I just, you make the decision, you go with it. And unless you have a hall of fame franchise quarterback, who's the most popular guy in any NFL city, the backup quarterback, that's what they've been saying for decades. And so Frank says, you know, whatever happened to the big second year jump, I only consider that when players actually play in their first year, Yeah, Mason Rudolph didn't even dress in a game in 2018 let alone which means he rarely took any snaps in practice because they all went to ban yeah forget all that like you look at like i look at terrell edmonds like that's that's a guy i want to see a second year jump from because he was their iron man as a rookie you know so like those are the players that should be i mean he got so many so many snaps he should be able to show that he can come out and play and understand things better so the bottom line is you know, we want to have all of our opinions of everything and one way or the other. And once again, maybe this is the homer coming out of me, but I kind of trust the Steelers that know to know more of what's going on behind doors, but behind the closed doors to, to make the decisions that they are. You know, when the whole thing with came with, with Minka Fitzpatrick, they're like, oh my goodness, you gave up a first round pick. And my first reaction of it was, you know, he hadn't done anything with two games in Miami, but they say he was playing out of position. 
I'm assuming that the Steelers knew more what they were doing than what I thought. And of course, there was a lot of other people that didn't like the trade, you know, talking heads around the NFL that they didn't understand. But guess what? I'm still saying the Steelers knew exactly what they were doing with that trade. So I'm assuming that they that that what they see and what they can break down and things that go on in practice that we don't see that they know why they they're doing what they're doing. If if Rudolph comes out and throws three more interceptions and the Steelers fall to the Bengals and they still stick with him another week, then it must be because they still see something more um, than what we even see. Yeah. So I agree with that. Here's a good question from Donald. This might be the last one for the show. What are the chances we make it to the playoffs? Now, my brother, um, who doesn't listen to the shows, uh, he's a jack wagon. Um, he he was the one that sent me a text during the Browns game and said, do we even really want to be in the playoffs with this offense? And I, 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 I guess I can see what you're saying, man. But the odds of them making the playoffs, I still feel like although the loss hurt, Dave, I still feel like they control their own destiny with the fact that they have a head-to-head win over Indianapolis. They still have to play the Buffalo Bills who are ahead of them. They have to play the Cleveland Browns. And in between, there are games that they should be heavily favored with. I know they have to go to Arizona. That's not a good place for them. But then again, neither was Los Angeles for the Chargers, and they won that game. Um, They still have to go to the Jets. I think there will be a lot of motivation in that game going against Le'Veon Bell. Um, It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Dave, what do you think? When it comes to the playoffs, I actually said this today as I was leaving church. I was talking to uh, a Ravens fan as he was getting ready to go home and watch the game. And But, you know, I don't mind all Ravens fans, especially if they know what they're talking about. And he com- I said something to him, and he's like, you've got it exactly right. Based on what happened today and everything else, that's the hottest team in the NFL. But are, are you still going to put your money on them? on the Super Bowl. I mean, you can look at this and once once that team up north got kind of got exposed that they're not the powerhouse that that everyone thought they would be that someone can take them down. It's kind of like any team just needs to get into the playoffs and then you can see what they can do. You're going to know more about who's going to do well in the playoffs from week 15 on. It, I feel like this this year more than any other year that who's on a roll rolling into the playoffs. So all teams have to do now is stay in the picture and get on that roll at the end of the season. And, and that, I mean, look at, look at 2005. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's really what it was, is that you you have to roll. It doesn't matter if you're the one seed or the six seed, if you're really on a roll going into the playoffs. No, I agree. And Snowman puts two large in the chip jar, and he said Mason is still inexperienced, but will get better. Here's my theory, and it kind of ties in with Snowman's comment. With this dealer's defense, and I think that they're still playing at a high level. They gave up 21 points on Thursday, but their quarterback threw four picks yeah. and really put them in a bad spot on more than one occasion. Um, their defense is good enough that if their offense can just be competent, it does not have to be dominant. If they can convert those third and shorts, fourth and shorts, string together drives that equate in points, flip the field from time to time instead of having three and outs, this team, in my opinion, can beat anybody. I said this to Lance Williams via text message today. He called me crazy. That's not abnormal for him to call me crazy. But I said, he said the Ravens are the best team in the NFL. And I said, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I think the Steelers can beat the Ravens. And he said, no way. I said, they should. I, I, think, I think they can beat the Ravens. Period. Yeah. 
I think they can beat the Ravens. I think they can go in there and I think they could beat the Ravens. And so this comes down to, can the quarterback play well enough? Can the offensive line protect? Can the offensive line open holes? Can they take advantage of the opportunities when they're given? Only time will tell period. And so the next step is week 12. The Steelers go to Cincinnati for a one o'clock tilt in Paul Brown stadium. So it'll be interesting, Dave, anything to add before we call it? Just, I know even some people, and I, I, this is, I'm going to basically giving you a lot of stuff that was in from my thoughts that one, they're going to be in an article tomorrow is that even the defense, I think, I mean, look, they gave up 21 points. The one was they gave up on a five yard, wait, on a four yard drive after an interception where they got it at the four, they, they held on an incompletion. They drove them back four yards and they would have got the interception in the end zone. If Mark Barron had just turned around a half a second sooner, because that should have been a pick, but it wasn't. And that was that score. The other two scores they gave up were the big play that they called the touchdown, that then they had to go back and score again. That was a defensive breakdown because Steven Nelson was looking around for where the help was on the inside based on how he was playing the receiver. The other touchdown that was wide open to Jarvis Landry that I brought up, Joe Hayden was standing on the sideline because they were in goal line defense, and he saw that there weren't enough, and he goes running out on the field. I'm sure he didn't know exactly what he was doing as he got out there and what the exact coverage was and who should be on who. These were breakdowns, and a lot of these breakdowns you can attribute to them being on a short week. I did the same thing for Minka Fitzpatrick. They say how he's such a big student of the game. Well, guess what the student of the game didn't have? Hardly any time to study for his test. So I right now, that's my thought, that you can, you can notch so much of this up to being a short week and having players knocked out. But if they come out and play the same way the next game, no excuses. That just means that is who they are. Yeah, can it? Couldn't, couldn't agree more. So there you go. So let's give you the rundown of what's coming up here this week. It's going to be a normal week for once. Thank goodness. <laughs> so on Monday, tomorrow night, uh, this is airing obviously on Sunday, you'll have the Steelers hangover with Brian Anthony Davis and Tony Defeo on Tuesday. Dave will be back with the stat geek. Lance and I will be on Wednesday with the standard is the standard Thursday, the Steelers preview Friday. Lance says, yeah, I said it Saturday, the burning question with, I believe Dave, it's Brian's turn again. We've but, we've now run the gambit. I did it this past weekend. This weekend, no. You know what? I think it's isn't it? Is it back to Lance? I don't know. We'll figure it out. Okay. So remember, <laughs> it's Lance or Brian. We know that <laughs> for anyone that contributed a super chat today, and we had some very generous people in the super chat area today. Thank you very much. We appreciate that. And remember, you can help us out without costing us a dime. Subscribe to the channel. Hit the like button. It helps us in terms of the algorithm for YouTube and promoting our videos over others. So make sure you do that. Hit the like button. And as Lance always says, tune in, tell a friend, and subscribe. We will see you tomorrow night, whenever the next time we do a Steelers Q&A. Dave, thanks for your time. We'll see you all next time.